I'm Jason Kelly, and this is the Practicing History Podcast. Practicing History is a podcast about the way we construct our pasts, not just as professional historians, but how all of us, every day, tell stories, speak, think, and reflect historically, and how in doing this, we are all historians. Today is the second half of a two-part series on causation and correlation. Now, don't worry, if you haven't heard last week's episode, you won't get lost. However, I think that the two episodes reinforce each other and give us some insight into the philosophy and methodology of history. In the last episode, we discussed the notion of causation, and I used the Scottish philosopher David Hume as our guide, and in doing so, I expressed some skepticism about our ability to prove the relationships between historical events. However, like Hume, I didn't reject the idea that there were, in fact, cause and effect relationships. Rather, I suggested that we need to be cautious about the truth claims that we make when it comes to cause and effect relationships. Today, I want to turn to a related concept to causation, and that's correlation. When we talk about correlations in history, we are typically referring to some type of relationship between two or more events. And sometimes these relationships can be plotted numerically. So, for example, an historian of the 18th century might be able to graph the amount of grain output and the numbers of riots over the course of the century. And she might find that when the grain output drops, more riots occur. And she might make the inference that there's some kind of relationship between these events. And this is what we mean by correlation. Grain output is related to the numbers of riots. By doing a bit more research, this researcher may make the argument that grain shortages cause riots. If so, she goes from recognizing a measurable correlation to suggesting a cause and effect relationship. Now, many listeners have probably heard the well-known saying, correlation does not imply causation. In other words, just because two things seem to be happening in tandem, this doesn't mean that they definitely have a causal relationship. Or, for that matter, that the relationship is simple. The historian who's studying harvests and riots might find a host of related variables which have effects on outcomes, from regional cultural practices to transportation networks to the price of bread and, and more. A good historian who follows the advice of David Hume is going to be cautious about arguing for dogmatic certainties. After all, there's limits to human knowledge that we need to be aware of and keep at the forefront of our mind when making any argument. We need to put our assumptions, our biases, our interpretations, and observations under the closest scrutiny. Some causal relationships appear to have a much stronger likelihood of a cause and effect relationship than others. Now, we need to be very careful that we don't mistake coincidence for correlation and then attempt to impose causation on two unrelated events. After all, events can happen in tandem and have no necessary relationship with each other. And there's some really, really great examples out there on the, on, on the web if you go looking for them. And I've put some charts up on the website. 
And, and there you're going to see three charts. Uh, the first one says that at the same time the U.S. imported more lemons from Mexico, the number of highway fatalities decreased. Second shows that as global temperature increased, the number of pirates decreased. And the third one shows that as M. Night Shyamalan's movies got increasingly lower ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, newspaper revenue decreased as well. So if we're to imagine that these coincidences were in fact correlations, you know what we'd say? We'd say that Mexican lemon imports increase U.S. highway fatalities, that climate change is a good way to fight pirates, and that M. Night Shyamalan is single-handedly responsible for the collapse of the newspaper industry. So clearly, these are incorrect inferences, which takes us back to the importance of skepticism in historical interpretation. What really happened and why? Well, we may never know what and why something really happened, but we can certainly get a good sense of what was more likely to happen and what was less likely to happen. So in some cases, especially historical questions for which we might have some scientific data, we can isolate variables and do statistical analyses of our data sets. However, these instances are relatively infrequent. Although new methodologies, especially digital methodologies, are increasingly allowing us to find new answers and ask new questions, in most cases, the questions that we ask as historians are quite complicated, and it really makes it difficult to isolate variables. So what can we actually prove as historians? This is a huge question, and I'm not going to answer it here. Frankly, I don't know if I can answer it. And this is because, in many ways, I think that it asks the wrong question. It ignores the fact that history is more than giving us the facts about the past. It ignores the fact that history has always been a complex and rich endeavor. Yes, sometimes we want to know facts. Sometimes we want to try to prove exactly what happened. And yes, often these are important questions that have immediate relevance. However, history is much more than this. History is also about reflection, analysis, and critique. It's about how we discover ourselves, situating ourselves in a much grander story than we can immediately comprehend. History serves to create frameworks for understanding and experiencing things from music to art to literature to politics. It embodies truths and half-truths and myths. It reminds us of humanity's successes and failures, and it prompts us to evaluate our ethical frameworks and our daily conduct. The, the study of history isn't just a tool to know our pasts, but it's a tool to know ourselves and, and to know that we and our pasts are constantly changing and evolving. History helps us map these changes and to shape the process of change. When we assign correlation or cause and effect relationships, we're doing much more than simply describing an event. We're inscribing our beliefs into a story. We're practicing history. So that's it for this week. I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, please continue to be in touch over Twitter 
and on the blog at jasonmkelly.com. Next week, I'm going to be discussing the historical approach known as radical history. So until then, have a wonderful week.